0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to uh, Hot Topics for the spring of 2011. And we left off last time with the question, what's hot in gastric CT, and there was an article written recently that we did on gastric pneumatosis. Gastric pneumatosis is an unusual finding, it's interesting, but when you look for it, you see it more commonly. It's to a number of causes anywhere from emphyseminous gastritis to caustic injection to perforated ulcer, following biopsies or trauma. There's a number of different causes. There's also a number of uh, extra gastric causes um, uh, which are which can be due to things like gangrenous cholestytitis or small bowel ischemia, appendicitis, small bowel volvulus, things that give ischemia of the large and small bowel. And that can also uh, cause uh, gastric pneumatosis, though that's pretty uncommon. And in this article we wrote, gastric pneumatosis is rare with Causes ranging from benign to lethal, the purpose of this essay was to present a series of cases, review the causes, and demonstrate how CT can be helpful. I think one of the things I learned from this paper was that we used to always think of gastric emphysema as a serious condition. We noted that we saw it in a number of post-op patients, patients were doing fine, and it disappeared within a couple days. So key things are, with respect to other diagnostic indicators, review of pneumatosis throughout the GI tract, identified elevated lactic acid as the only risk factor significantly associated with mortality using multivariate analysis. So very, very important. So if you see gastric pneumatosis, if it's markedly irregular, the patient's sick, you see pneumatosis other places, that's kind of easy that it's significant. It's probably ischemia. But if you just see a little bit of air in the gastric wall, has a patient had a recent procedure? Can there be benign causes? So it's something to think about. It's not always a let's run to surgery type condition. Okay, and that's what I learned from that article. Okay, what about visualization? What's next? A couple different articles. Here's an article from May 2011 Radiology. A long article, you know, nice title. One th- 5,000 section CT can ruin your entire or your whole day. And the authors made some good comments, nothing very brilliant, nothing very, uh, wow, wish I said that 20 times before. The technology revolution in image acquisition, instrumentation and methods has resulted in vast uh, data sets that far outstrip the human observer's ability to view, digest, and interpret modern medical images by using traditional methods. And they conclude that advanced post-processing, including 3D imaging, multimodality displays, quantitative measures, and incorporation of innovative human-machine interfaces will likely be the future. There's no doubt that indeed is the case. And the authors do make a very important point, which, again, We've spoken about before that new techniques and tools in other fields can be adapted to the healthcare environment to improve medical image analysis, visualization, and navigation through large data sets. 3D image display and incorporation of innovative human-machine interfaces will likely be the future. And there's no doubt we're not unique in terms of large data sets. Many other companies, industries have the same thing. We've done CT imaging with 3D mapping for a long time, so we know it's a challenge, but we know You can solve it. You can look at an iPad these days and actually be able to look at thousands of images. So I think new techniques, new technology, new thought processes are indeed necessary, but uh, it's something that you can indeed do today and not ruin your entire day. Maybe ruin about 20 minutes. Who knows? One of the things in terms of this whole process was a good article by Sandy Nepal talking about automated retrieval of CT images of liver lesions on the basis of image similarity. This is the old idea that perhaps if I'm looking at a difficult case, what if I saw 50 cases that look like that and you told me what they were? And so the goal of this project was to develop a, a system to facilitate the retrieval of radiologic images that contain similar appearing lesions and to perform uh, a preliminary evaluation of the system with a database of CT images of the liver, an external standard of image similarity. And uh, when used individually, groups of semantic texture and boundary features resulted in various levels of performance in retrieving relevant lesions. However, combining all features produced the best overall results with a mean precision greater than 90%. And mean, best and worst case, uh, retrieved accuracy was greater than 95%, 100%, and greater than 78%, respectively. So, indeed, one of the things to consider, as this article says, is that perhaps we're going to see a lot more CAD, computer-assisted imaging, in medicine. We talk about this in radiology. In terms of virtual colonoscopy, we, turn, we, we look at it with lung nodule detection, some work with PE, but now an analysis of liver lesions. So again, uh, Sandy's results in this paper were indeed very strong, and they concluded that it warranted continued development and validation in larger and more comprehensive databases. So I think it's something that you will indeed see. Now, one of the last areas I'll look at is practice information. I created this new topic, but th- there's a number number of different things that have come out. And here was a good article by Larson talking about uh, CT has increased at a higher rate in the ED than other settings, and by 2007, its uh, growth had not tapered. Well, 2007 is like a lifetime ago; it's three uh, three generations ago uh, on iPads. Uh, but what you recognize is I think we all know is that indeed the growth of CT everywhere has decreased, particularly in the ER. But, you know, there's no doubt that in this period of time, 95 to 2007, the use of CT in the ERs increased exponentially with rates increasing from 2.8% to 13.9% of all patient visits. Now, the thing about this is you got to be very careful how you use the information. First of all, in 1995, most places did not have AR scanners. 2007, they did. In those 12 years, scanners improved. We were at 64 slice, and the capability of doing things with CT became much more important. The authors also did not make the point that other studies were replaced. So, for example, we're doing CT for PEs, and we were not doing nuclear medicine studies. So the increase of CT is not necessarily a bad thing. You have better technology replacing a a lesser study. So you want to be very, very, very careful. In these ways CT is highly suited for the ED. At least the authors made this point. That CT is very good. It provides rapid, minimally invasive, high-resolution images that can quickly direct patients towards further treatment when the results are positive and provide reassurance for practitioners when the results are negative. So, in other words, CT probably does provide the bang for the buck. We do not recommend using our growth models to forecast the future use of CT. That's a good thing because the growth is negative, not positive, positive, as this would require the unlikely assumption that the factors promoting and limiting growth will remain unchanged. And we all know that has not been the case and whether it's due to the increased awareness of cost, cost of radiation, national health care reform or economic recession all of those things have truly driven down utilization in the ER if you were looking at 2008 to 2011. Now an article that kind of I like to tag along with this one article was the article by Abdullah and Jim Thrall so Mass General and they looked at it okay. You're doing an abdominal CT. What is it really doing? Well, look at their conclusions. The management of patients presenting to the ER with non-traumatic abdominal pain, CT changes the leading diagnosis, increases diagnostic certainty, and changes potential patient management decisions. Gosh, what else is there? That's like the best of all worlds. And what they studied was done, the objective of our study was to prospectively determine how CT affects physicians, diagnostic certainty, and management decisions in the setting of patients with non-traumatic abdominal complaints in the ER. In the management of patients presenting to the emergency room with non-traumatic abdominal complaints, CT did impact change, change the leading diagnosis, as we said a moment ago, increased certainty, and change potential patient management decisions. This indeed is very, very critical. When you look at some of the breakdown, the most common diagnosis was renal colic and intestinal obstruction. CT altered the leading diagnosis in 49% of the patients and increased mean physician diagnostic certainty from 70 to 92%, 22% worth, that's massive. The management plan was changed by CT in 42%. Surgery was planned for 79 patients before CT, whereas hospital discharge was planned for 25% of these patients after CT. So here was a group, 25% of the patients were about to go to surgery before you kick them out of the ER. They didn't need surgery, they didn't need anything else. So when you look at this, given the current concerns about increased healthcare costs, radiation exposure, due to CT, it's critical physicians to be able to weigh the risk of radiation to patients and the cost of the exam against the benefits of CT. And their conclusion was, in this large prospective study, performance in abdominal CT in the ER for patients with non-traumatic abdominal complaints increased the physician's diagnostic certainty and changed planned management decisions. Bottom line, it is critical in patient management. So use it and use it wisely. A couple other things. Gary Glazer wrote a great article in radiology talking about the invisible radiologist. And that's not like some new movie. It's the point that the invisibility of radiologists perpetuates the misperception that many imaging services are commodities and that you're going to have to do more. By offering an even higher level of personalized service through direct communication, radiologists can dispel this viewpoint by showing patients that they customize imaging exams to fit each patient's individual healthcare needs. And it's not just saying you do it, but it's actually doing it, and Gary wrote a really good article that's worthwhile reading. Now, one of the things uh, we've also spoken about in terms of policy is this whole area of incidental findings. And there was an article published in the Journal of the American College of Radiology. There also was an excellent book by, by Alec Megabo in the clinics about these incidental findings. And here they provided a white paper looking at incidental findings in the kidney, liver, adrenal, and pancreas. And the white paper presented a uh, collective experience of the committee. Again, uh, the way the process works um, is sort of a, a agreeing, disagreeing rating scale of 1 to 9. Um, now, one thing, of course, is they spoke about how they use the less formal process of repeated reviews and it does not represent official ACR policy, and it should not be used for legal standard of care. That kind of, of course, weakens the article, because now you're saying we've come to some conclusions, but we're not sure they're any good, and we're not sure how we reach them, and it's not the law. I mean, you need something that really is something you can stand on. Fleischner Society criteria is a perfect no, but it's accepted, best practice, really critical. So very, very important to think about that. The goal of it, So examples, the goal of imaging an incidental adrenal mass is to differentiate benign, leave-alone lesions from a mass that warrants treatment. Okay, straightforward. In general, large, uh, Then so they looked at that. What about kidney? In general, over 3 centimeter solid masses in the kidney are malignant. Similarly, the smaller ones uh, are likely to be benign. In addition, a small renal cell carcinoma is more likely to be low-grade and indolent behaving than a larger one. Therefore, they suggested follow-up for masses under one centimeter you know those small masses which you can't be certain and the follow-up is CT mr at three to six months 12 months and then yearly we're spreading out the, the term observation may be considered for solid renal mass of any size in a patient with a limited life expectancy or comorbidities that may increase the risk of treatment particularly when the mass indeed is small so there is some recommendation you can see it here Small lesions, uncertain, just follow them. That's kind of a good guidance. Now, another thing that I read about, we spoke before about uh, these specialty boards for reviewing cases on different topics like pancreatic cancer. There was just an article published by Brooke in the Annals of Oncology making the point that consultation in a tertiary conference at a conference in a tertiary center led to major changes in management of 37% of cancer patients and provided important information regarding disease in up to half of these patients. And they found that lung cancer was the most important area of change, followed by breast, colon, and pancreas. Now, one of the tricks or one of the issues with this article was some of the conclusions the authors stated. It should be emphasized that we did not measure the quality of the radiology report and we did not carry any comparison between original interpretive reports. Original reports were not available at the time of the conference, which means you look at the cases, you said what you said, but you don't really know what that first radiologist said. We do not know whether there was a misdiagnosis in the original report if it was misunderstood by the oncologist, whether comparisons were carried out, or if any information was missing. Nevertheless, the management decision is made by the treating oncologist, and it's his opinion that counts. So in other words, they asked the oncologist what the images said, and the oncologist told him, well, gosh, maybe he didn't read it correctly, maybe he forgot, maybe he got it wrong. That's a dangerous way of saying radiology was indeed wrong. And so the point is, was the high rate of incorrect diagnosis more of a communication problem? than a film interpretation error and what was the source of error again communication is really critical now i'll just make the point that we do believe that multidisciplinary conferences are important it's not a passing trend it's something that you should adopt Um, but again you need to really put the effort in and and it's a very time-consuming process but well worth it now another thing about that article was it made the point that they were uncertain. Was their bad communication as the cause of error? And in this article by Brooke in Radiographics, the authors make the point that communication errors can be conveniently characterized into three groups. Documentation, communication or of inaccurate or incomplete information, and failure in the communication loop. And we know, all of us know that's the case. Active failures or human errors include procedural complications or mistakes, and diagnostic misses and misinterpretations. So, what you're trying to do is really minimize the human errors, minimize the communication errors, minimize the protocol errors. Again, there's a significant number of misses every day we need to really decrease those miss rates. Now, I mentioned before and I won't discuss it, that perhaps in the future things like CAD, this example of a liver, CAD using for detecting hepatomas, may be the thing that will prove to be helpful, though it's not really clear. That's going to be the case, but it's something to think about. So conclusion, good news, radiology is a moving field. New knowledge is gained every day. My advice, keep on reading. And I would hum it a few times along with the Grateful Dead's uh, keep on trucking. So we say keep on reading, but um, it's equally important even without the music. And hopefully CTSS is gonna keep you in the know. You heard this podcast, all of those slides will be available. They'll be in our Pearl section and we will address quality of care, quality assurance and how we can make things better for all our patients. And with that, have a great day.